Hello, everyone. I'm Paul Menzel. And I'm Jim Conlon. And this is New Tricks for Old Dogs. Our podcast features the many ways us older folks howl at the moon, odd news items you don't normally hear about, and conversations with other old dogs who are growing bolder, not older. So if you've got 25 minutes or so, grab a cup of coffee, pull up a chair, and join us. In this episode, the old dogs ramble about talking with your loved ones after they have left this mortal coil. We warn about overly aggressive medical testing, We take a look at the connection between coffee and car parts. We report on a special company owner who gave a special Christmas bonus to his employees. And we announce a new audience for our podcast on broadcast radio. The Old Dogs interview is with a guy who needs no introduction, but Paul is going to give him one anyway. It's my turn in the hot seat. Be sure and stay with us as I reveal all. All right, Paul, uh, tell me what's on your mind today. Well, you know, Jim, today we have a pod nugget about recording people so that after they die, they can have an interactive conversation with their loved ones. Right. What do you uh, think of that? Yeah, well, you know, it sounds a little spooky to me. Yeah. Like you could sit down and have a heart-to-heart with some relative that died. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I kind of agree with you. I think that there's something a little creepy about it. Uh, I don't exactly know what kind of descendant would want to have a conversation with a person who has passed away knowing that it's fake, that it's possible that these people would never say uh, what the artificial intelligence people have put together. Yeah. However, you know, if you think about it, what if your, say, your spouse outlives you? Yeah. Uh, Wouldn't it be kind of fun to be able to record your side of the arguments (laughs) so that your spouse could have arguments with you after you're gone? I mean, especially if she was winning the arguments. Well, you're implying that the wife or husband would want to continue those arguments? (laughs) I'm not so sure. Well, if they could win, why not? Maybe they didn't win them... (laughs) Well, but, you know, you're on to something here. If a person, and this is sort of more like a legacy video, which, of course, is something that uh, people are doing right now, where you do take the time to tell people uh, something that you would like to pass along to them. And this is actually your own thoughts and your own words, rather than something that AI had put into your Right. Persona. You mean like, like explaining all the debts you're leaving oh, to your, well, your children? Explaining what I meant by what I said yeah. that time. You know the time I'm talking about? And I want to have the last word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I think we, we agree that a legacy tape in which uh, a person is just talking about their life, that can be kind of nostalgic and fun. But to uh, utilize artificial intelligence to create a conversation— I'm not so sure I'm there. Well, me neither. And I think that uh, what's proving to be more and more prevalent is the use of artificial intelligence to substitute for real intelligence. Oh. Uh, And so we are taking more and more license with what perhaps a person might say and making it stand in for what we are assuming they did say which is not the truth. And this crops up, for example, in uh, fake news, uh, fake videos, and so on. Yeah, but you know, you're laying the groundwork for recording versions of yourself. Oh, yeah, right. Like, like a stronger you yeah. mm-hmm. or a smarter you, uh, maybe a more romantic you. 
Oh, I find that hard to believe, frankly. It could happen. I'd like to see perhaps a version of myself before I die that I could be prouder of than what I have right now. Well, I'd like to see a version of you that I could be prouder (laughs) of too, Jim. (laughs) That's so sweet. Several Silicon Valley companies are offering digital immortality for people willing to spend some time capturing their thoughts and stories digitally. This pod nugget is from the Washington Post for August 29th, 2019. For many years, Silicon Valley futurists have been trying to find avenues for technological immortality. This probably began with the cryonics movement, which offered to freeze your body after death and thaw it out when a cure is discovered for whatever ailed you. Yeah, Jim, over my dead body. Today's variation involves companies that are hawking an opportunity to preserve your spoken legacy online forever. One such company, called Hereafter, is creating a virtual model that encourages interaction. The first step is to capture someone's oral history in detail through prompted questions. Hereafter considers the service an interactive memoir, which is appealing to customers in their 40s and 50s who want to preserve their parents' history before they die. The goal is to retrieve the stories and thoughts of your deceased loved ones whenever you want and have them respond to your questions in their own voice. Ah, but computer science is not at that point yet where this can result in a multi-turn conversation between humans and machines. A multi-turn conversation is free-flowing and spontaneous, often spinning into unrelated topics as conversations between two people often do, particularly between you and me, I've noticed. This technology really could be decades in the future. Until that time, the next best thing is for these legacy bots to share stories about a person's life on command. Uh, Jim, I'm not sure I'm ready for this. Well, I don't know, Paul. You're pretty good at spinning into unrelated topics. Uh Uh-huh. Hey, what's the weather like today? See what I mean? Borderline test results before a medical procedure can trigger a series of subsequent tests just to be safe. The result is a bloated medical bill, patient frustration, and a delayed procedure. This item is from the Washington Post for January 5, 2020. The author of the article is Dr. Ishani Ganguly, who is a professor at Harvard Medical School. He points out that this is a familiar pattern, particularly for seniors. A medical test generates a cascade of phone calls, office visits, tests, and treatments. The problem is that no test is perfect, and every test has trade-offs, including false positives and incidental findings not related to the initial medical problem. Some tests are even known to be of low value, offering a minimal benefit in a given situation. Researchers suggest that low-value medical services are a major source of healthcare spending. One estimate is that it adds over $100 billion a year to our medical bills. The author cites the common practice of a preoperative EKG for cataract surgery, which is a low-risk 20-minute procedure. The EKGs didn't improve health or reduce complications. It was simply a cautionary practice. In a recent survey, nearly half of the doctors who did more testing to follow up on an incidental finding did not think it was medically needed. They felt they were following the norms of the medical community or possibly shielding against a potential lawsuit. The author suggests that we need better ways to navigate cascades once they begin. For patients, that means understanding tests come with trade-offs. 
For doctors, it means framing tests' results for what they are and working with the patients to decide next steps. Public education efforts such as the Choosing Wisely campaign can help patients choose care that is truly necessary. For more information, visit choosingwisely.org. The waste left over after roasting coffee is called coffee chaff, and the Ford Motor Company has found a use for what would normally be headed to landfills. This item is from the Houston Chronicle for December 6, 2019. Ford researchers have partnered with McDonald's to utilize a significant portion of the coffee chaff created by the restaurant's coffee suppliers. Ford will heat the chaff and mix it with plastics and other materials to form pallets that can be shaped into interior car components. The resulting parts are 20% lighter and require 25% less energy during the heating process. Uh, This is nothing new for Ford. Over the years, researchers have used materials like soybean-based foam, recycled plastic bottles, agave fiber, and bamboo for auto parts. You know, the article doesn't mention what auto parts will utilize the new coffee chaff material. Yeah, that's right. But you know, Jim, it would only be fitting if the coffee chaff material is used to create new cup holders. Yes? What an idea. And you know, coffee chaff is not a bad name for a new Starbucks drink. Or a rock band. There you go. The founder of St. John Properties put together a Christmas party that will be hard to top. This item is from the Houston Chronicle for December 12th, 2019. Edward St. John, the founder and chairman of St. John Properties, a Maryland real estate firm, handed out bonus envelopes that shocked his employees. The 198 employees of the company received bonuses that totaled $10 million. The bonuses averaged $50,000, and the size of the check was based purely on tenure. A maintenance technician who started with the company in 1981 received more than $200,000. Now, that kind of windfall is life-changing. Comments ranged from, I am finally debt-free, to... He paid my house off. The unusually high bonuses drew a lot of attention to the company when it was announced publicly. Several employees were featured on the Today Show. And, of course, the phones were ringing continuously, presumably by people applying for jobs. I was uh, one of them. Did they include a phone number? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't see one. Okay. In explaining his generosity, St. John said, I steer the boat, but they are the ones that run the boat. They're the ones that make the boat go. So, Jim, with Mm. that kind of a bonus, don't you wonder how many of those employees are still on the boat? Yeah, I wonder if there was mass (laughs) retirement afterwards. Well, the old dogs now have a bigger yard to play in. And some might say it also means you need a bigger pooper scooper to clean up after us. Uh, Our podcast, New Tricks for Old Dogs, is now carried on two internet-based radio stations, Sight into Sound Radio and Owl Radio. Both stations provide daily broadcasts of newspapers, magazines, and other information to listeners who are unable to read regular print due to a visual, physical, or reading impairment. Now these are our kind of listeners, people who appreciate the magic of the spoken word. Both stations can be accessed through specially tuned radios, streaming this station online or as part of TuneIn, a free internet radio channel. This is exciting news for us because it means we're increasing our listenership by several thousand people. 
You know, in our last episode, we featured an interview with me. Uh, my partner Jim interviewed me, and so this week we're going to turn that around and I get to interview Jim. We'll take an in-depth look at how this child of the 60s, against all odds, became a productive member of society. Okay, our interview subject today is one half of the uh, podcast team that produces new tricks for old dogs. Uh, he is probably considered the silent partner. <laughs> uh, uh, my guest is Jim Conlon. Hello, Jim. Hello, Paul. Now, in I'm so glad to be here. In anticipation of, of this, I, I have downloaded some information about you. And just to get us started, as I understand it, you were born into a coal mining family in West Virginia, and you dropped out of school at the age of eight and joined a circus. Is this all accurate information? Um, I guess not. Okay. So, no, no, actually, that is not accurate. Why don't you I tell was us? Nine. Tell us a little bit about your background as a child. My background as a child. Yes. Well, I was very young. Ah. For one thing. Okay. And I had a very loud voice. Yes. It was my family was a car family, and my dad was with General Motors, and we eventually ended up in the car capital of the world, which is. Flint, Michigan. Minnesota. <laughs> well, you know, you have you have a very checkered background, which is a nice I way do. of saying you 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 haven't really held a job I for any period very, of time. Very great difficulty in holding a job. In college, your degree is in painting. Yeah, is this like houses, painting houses, and <laughs> painting by numbers? Ah. Have you ever seen a house okay. painted by numbers? I'm the guy. So obviously, you uh, you were thinking that you were going to make a living uh, with your art. I really thought that I was going to be a star in the art world firmament. Okay, and what happened? What got you off purpose? Cocktail parties. I I couldn't schmooze. Ah, and a painter, an artist of any caliber needs to be a schmoozer and i just wasn't it also helps if you die young well that's true that's and another I, option i was that was not in my plans of course i'm a champion schmoozer now but it's too late that sounds like something you could be arrested for in some <laughs> in some southern states uh out of college you ended up in the peace corps yeah okay what were you trying to avoid? Mm, the draft. Ah, okay. Right. And you were upfront about it. Where were you in the Peace Corps? We were in the Marshall Islands, which is in the middle of nowhere. And you did what during this period of time? What did you bring to these primitive people? I uh, showed them a better way to crack a coconut. Okay. Very and successful, I might add. And after the Peace Corps, you had to uh, uh, figure out a way to earn a living. Actually, to earn a living. So, of course, I went to art school. Then, that was the order of things. Uh, and uh, having failed to actually make a living as a painter, I decided to go into advertising. Okay. Uh, which, of course, was the last thing on the planet that I wanted to do, but it was a way to make money. Okay. So you were, uh, you were really enjoying yourself in Michigan. Yeah. Uh, I was with J. Walter Thompson, which is an international advertising agency, and they decided they needed a presence in the Southwest especially since my presence in the Southwest would remove my presence from Detroit. 
and then all parties would be happy. Oh. Uh, so I did. I we took my family and we moved on to Houston. And, it was a chance to thaw out after uh, Michigan. Okay, literally, yes. Okay. Uh, that did not last long. I came down here in '85, and it was the bust years. So yeah. uh, I started a, a specialized uh, advertising service called Radio Works with a partner called Bill West. And Bill and I uh, determined to be the funniest duo writing commercials in the United States. We had some pretty good competition at the time, but we did very well. In fact, we had attracted the attention of some of the other funny creative groups around the country, and they felt that we were in their league. And so did hundreds and hundreds of clients all over the country. So that was where I spent the bulk of my time and uh, where I met you back in the late 80s. And your great success could be attributed to hiring people like me. Oh, I absolutely agree. Absolutely. Well, as we uh, all know, uh, advertising and radio has changed considerably. Um, The fact that so many different opportunities to get information, to be entertained, developed during the early 2000s, uh, forced radio into kind of a corner. Uh, People no longer had to be told what to listen to, for example, if they were interested in music. However, I maintain to this day that we are still the funniest of this lost bunch. Mm. We know we didn't talk at all about your, uh, your musical career. Um, you were a jazz, well, you are still a jazz player, if there only yeah. was jazz still around. Yeah. Um, how long was, did that go on? See, I specialize in uh, decaying or moribund <laughs> pursuits. And that and, probably goes back to Detroit, <laughs> yeah. your, your roots in Detroit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anything that's about to go under, yeah. I'm in. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, that's a caution to everybody listening. <laughs> If Jim approaches you with an idea for a business, <laughs> run away. Go the other way. I did play jazz in Houston, Texas, uh, professionally for about 12 years and uh, enjoyed it. I Probably one of the most enjoyable things I've ever done. Uh, and uh, that, too, kind of ended a uh, number of years ago. And uh, that's one thing that I actually regret is not being able to play jazz at least once a week with a great group of musicians. And you played bass, yeah. correct? So it's not really something like you could play in the living room for friends. It's, it's not a... Con- it's Here's not a, a s- chord progression you might like. <laughs> yeah. No, especially not a stand-up bass. There's no room for that in my entertainment schedule. Well, Jim, you are a very interesting man because you, you have so many talents, uh, most of which were dead ends during your lifetime. Yes, indeed. Uh, how would you describe you right now? You are a man of many hyphens. Hyphen a few for me. All right. We could say failed hyphen painter, <laughs> failed hyphen musician, failed hyphen uh, Peace Corps volunteer. No, there, there are ways of looking at it, and this has actually kind of become my philosophy, that you can look at the end of opportunities, end of pursuits as a failure, or you could look at them as simply a part of your life that while you were doing it, you were enjoying it and you were very successful at it. And there were circumstances that suggested that that was no longer viable. So you look for something else. I was not content to just say, okay, I'm done. Uh, like they say, sit on a couch, wait for death. 
right? Uh, didn't want to do that. So I have continued to see how my basic ability to be creative could launch myself into another opportunity, another pursuit. We haven't touched at all on your voiceover work. That's right. Uh, that's a big part of what you're doing these days. Yeah. Oh, you're just leaving it. Yeah. yeah. Touch on You it. are the worst interviewer <laughs> interview I have ever had. You don't just go yes and no. You got to supply some information. Well, I want to see how wrong you can be about the information you have. Okay. Well, uh, what I'm told is that uh, you record for a very low fee uh, phone <laughs> phone messages. People can hire you. Usually in a whispered voice. No, come on. Tell <laughs> tell the world what you actually do. Well, I started voice. doing voiceovers when I was in advertising way back in the 70s because I found that the kind of humor I was writing, uh, I, I, of course, knew what I was thinking. And so I cast myself in some of these roles, you know, in the situation comedy that I seem to prefer. And uh, after a while, I decided to go pro, got myself an agent and uh, started getting hired by other people besides myself to do voiceover projects. For a long time, that was in commercial work, uh, radio and TV. And as that sort of uh, changed, as you know, we had mentioned before, uh, then I moved into non-commercial work, doing uh, projects for various corporations uh, and uh, for audiobooks. I'm approaching about 100 titles now of audiobooks that I've narrated for um, audible.com. And uh, during all that time, I thought, well, you know, I seem to have learned a lot in doing voiceovers. Why don't I start sharing what I know with other people for money? And uh, that's how I evolved beyond doing radio commercials and voicing radio commercials and into training people to be successful voiceover talent, uh, which I'm still doing today. I got a question for you, Jim. Uh, you have had a long and diverse career. As how, you say, checkered. Checkered. Mm -hmm. How do you want to be remembered? This is what I always tell my wife. I would love it if somebody actually knew who made all those funny radio commercials because uh, my partner Bill and I made millions of people laugh over the years uh, in all parts of the country, and yet nobody knew who did the work. In fact, I would love it if people could say, even if they don't remember me by name, yeah, I remember that Jimmy John's commercial, or I remember that Administaff commercial. There's something that they can look back on and say, yeah, that was really funny. There were times when the most entertaining things on radio were the commercials. Right, and we wanted to make sure that we were doing that kind of work. Yeah, well, so, I, I agree. I've enjoyed your work tremendously, especially the ones where you hired me. Right, I enjoyed that too. Like what you've been hearing? How about sharing the joy with your friends? We can always use more listeners. All our episodes are available on our website, www.olddogspodcast.com. And there are a lot more episodes on the way, so stay tuned and keep howling at the moon.